0: Welcome to Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge. As you know, you can get the show notes for these episodes at relearn.org. Our mission at relearn.org is to bring the church back to the Bible. We are fighting for biblical and theological literacy in the church, meaning that we want every Christian to know how to properly and accurately interpret their Bible and understand core essential theological doctrine. Today's episode, we are talking about um, sustaining our hope in the growing darkness of our world. Uh, Everywhere around us, we are dealing with um, major issues from the COVID pandemic to uh, laws being passed, uh, the vaccination discussion, the Afghanistan uh, discussion, the earthquake in Haiti that happened a few weeks ago uh, and the myriad of other issues that are going on on the, global, uh, on the global stage, as well as the national and even local stage of your life. Um, so I want to talk by, I should say, I want to teach from a couple passages of scripture that really speak to this generation that we are in uh, the last days, and we know that the last days are really any time after Jesus' uh, resurrection and ascension and his second coming. That whole period is referred to as the last days. But uh, there is a sense uh, in, I think, every generation, but especially now that there is a multiplied frequency and... Uh, a greater portion of wickedness in this generation. So I'd like to talk to you about what we are to expect as well as how we should anchor our hope in the midst of it. Uh, If you guys are uh, new here, thank you for joining this podcast. I've been doing this podcast for uh, almost, I think, a little over three years now. And it has been a wonderful opportunity to preach Uh, biblical doctrine, and the gospel to so many of you listeners. Um, If you guys uh, haven't been to relearn.org, that is a place where we are producing more and more resources for your walk with Christ and to strengthen your understanding of uh, historic evangelical Christianity. Um, For those that are supporters of relearn.org in this podcast, I just wanted to say thank you. And for those who would like to contribute to our ministry efforts, you can do so at uh, relearn.org forward slash donate. It makes a major difference when you as a listener is, uh, I should say, are committed to you know, $10 a month or $20 a month. Uh, that permits us to have the stability that we need as an organization to plan and to make hires and to produce further content. So thank you for that. Um, I want to start off by talking about a passage of scripture that um, that Jesus is talking about um, these days of tribulation. And Jesus is speaking to Jewish believers in Matthew 24. And he makes the statement to them in that audience that I believe is true in our generation. Uh, He says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Now, that passage of scripture for you who are very theological and understand where you're, the geography of your Bible, I know this is connected to a discussion around eschatology and end times. We're not going to talk about that right now, but I want to take the concept that Jesus takes here and say, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, The world is growing rapidly in lawlessness. Uh, The internet has permitted evil to be multiplied in a greater capacity than ever before. And as a result, the love of Christians even, uh, not just uh, humanity, but the love of Christians will grow cold. Now, it doesn't say that the love of Christians will be lost. Uh, That's not what that passage is saying, but if we're not careful and committed to seeking the source of love, uh, which is God, this lawless world can discourage the saint, and our love for others uh, may decrease. And I think many of you, whether you want to admit it or not, uh, have found yourself discouraged and overwhelmed with the state of our world. And it's difficult as a believer uh, to radiate that love when everything around you is rebelling against God. And so today I just want to discuss a similar passage uh, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses one through five, and I'll read it to you shortly. Paul warns um, Timothy about the type of culture that is coming in the last days, and that is to be expected as time goes on, and how we, uh, as ministers of the gospel, uh, as Christians, are to respond. And so Paul, in you know, prior to this chapter, to give you a little bit of context, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 2, is encouraging Timothy and instructing him in shepherding and teaching duties uh, that are required of missionary church planters like Timothy. Uh, He tells Timothy to not be ashamed of Paul and the gospel that Paul preaches. He tells him to be strong in the grace of our Lord, uh, according to uh, the teaching that he's received. He affirms uh, his salvation in Christ. He tells him to be a diligent worker uh, of the ministry who can rightly interpret and teach Scripture to others. And he reminds him of the character qualifications of faithful ministers. The very next paragraph is the text that we're going to be discussing today. And I'm going to read it and then stop and offer a little bit of uh, insight and uh, explanation and then keep going. But in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, Paul says, But realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come. First, I want you to notice that he starts this sentence off with the word, but. And the word, but is a contrast to the encouraging words in the previous chapters. Um, It's a contrast clause. It's a way of showing, you know, there was this, but you need to focus on this. So whenever you see the word, but you wanna find out but what or what's it referring to what's it contrasting against It says in the last days and again as i mentioned earlier biblically speaking the last days are any time between the resurrection and ascension of jesus christ and his second coming uh, promised throughout the new testament and so yes we are in the last days but uh, paul was also in the last days and um you know the question i think a lot of us are wondering is are we in the last hours of the last days? And I don't know, um, I, great theologians, if you know your church history, know that Augustine and uh, you know, Martin Luther and some of the Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, uh, all taught or thought that the second advent of Christ was uh, you know, within their time or near at that time. And they were all wrong. And, uh, you know, I will say that uh, it's my belief that the internet has accelerated evil in such a way that I find it difficult to uh, see humanity going on for, you know, another several hundred years. Um, But again, I I could be wrong. Uh, The teaching, you know, of Jesus that we all know is that nobody knows the day or the hour, but the teaching really is that we must always be ready. And sure, there are elements of the signs of the times and there are prophecy watchers. And um, I have not really indulged myself into much of that, though I am, uh, I, I do know the scriptures on those matters and uh, pray for discernment and do believe that we are in a unique time in history. Um, he says, that in this time, Paul's saying this, he says that in this time, this period that we call the last days, difficult times will come. Uh, The Greek word is uh, kalepos, and it really means, um, for the word difficult or perilous, is sometimes another um, way to explain it or translate it. It means fiercely difficult to bear. It's hard to cope with and sustain. Um, Basically, he's telling Timothy that stressful times are coming, especially for those in ministry like Timothy. And in one sense, this was true again when when it was written to Timothy, but in another, it was prophetic about the times that are ahead. And I, I also do think that there is a sense that the times will grow in difficulty and you know, rapidly in frequency as we get closer to the second coming. And I believe that that's been our experience in this generation and with the birth of the internet. Um, I believe um, that we can kind of all sense that the earth and all that's in it is experiencing the labor pains of preparing for the king and, and birthing this new world and the groaning that comes with the anticipation for Christ's return. And Paul attributes the source of these difficult times that are coming to the growing quantity of evil in the hearts of mankind. He says, for men will be, um, you know, for, for men will be um, lovers of self, lovers of money. He talks about this idea in the next verse, which we'll read in a second. And when he says, four men will be four, the word four, and we talked about the word but, now we're going to talk about the word for. Four is a synonym for because. Um, because is a causal clause. Uh, it's uh, me- Meaning whenever you see the word because, uh, the text is identifying the cause of the action being discussed. And um, so what Paul is saying here, he's going, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be like, because men will be. Um, And so the cause of the difficult times will be these attributes of so many people, the frequency of them and the rapid growth of this wickedness that we're going to talk about in a moment. So he talks about this list. And he lists off 19 attributes, you can maybe count it as 20, but I counted as 19 that describe the character of of humanity that uh, we I think in this generation are very familiar with. He says for men will be lovers of self lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And basically it's the evil that dwells in men that makes the coming time so difficult and dark. Now, again, I can't teach on all 19 traits or even bring an explanation of all 19 of these attributes, but I do want to at least discuss the first one because I believe there's a reason the Spirit listed uh, this specific trait as the first in this list. He says the first trait is self-love. They'll be lovers of themselves, okay, or lovers of of self. Uh, self-love is rooted in pride. Uh, it's an idolatrous and self-righteous sin. Uh, it's an inward focus instead of an upward focus. It's the soil of which all other sin grows. It's this obsession with the mirror instead of looking up to heaven. And if there is a generation that is marked by self-love over any other generation in human history, it is our generation. And that is worth something in this discussion. I've done a uh, podcast called The De- the Self-Love De- Self Delusion, which you can find at relearn.org or in your podcast app that I speak on this on a much deeper um, a much deeper scale that I don't have time for today. I do just want to look briefly at these attributes beyond lovers of self, but think about lovers of money. Um, Just think about the way that we write songs about money and we, you know, the, the music industry and the, the way that we've portrayed riches and wealth and I, I see MMA fighters with you know boxes of cash and their private jets. there's just this you know that that that's not been a thing throughout history. this this open bragging and worship of money. Um, every generation has done it in some degree, but again, it's amplified with the internet, boastful. Social media bragging is just, part of society today arrogant revilers disobedient to parents and it's so rare to find children that are obedient to their their mom and dad that honor their mom and dad ungrateful unholy unloving irreconcilable think about the divorce rates that are just you know skyrocketing of irreconcilable relationships people that hate one another uh, malicious gossips. Think about the tabloids and the press, and just the false, fake news, and the, just how much of that's going on. Uh, without self-control, brutal haters of good. Think about the hostility toward the church or towards traditional values. Uh, you know, the the uh, traditional view of marriage or the traditional uh, view of of a pregnancy or the the value of an unborn baby. Just haters of good treacherous, reckless, conceited lovers of pleasure. Uh, our obsession, we are in love with pleasure here in the United States uh, and just the modern world with. This is why you know we, our focus is so much on sex, on physical pleasure, on pornography, on leisure. We have Instagram accounts and, and social media accounts that are bragging about our, our just leisure, our desire for leisure all the time. We're not a hard work culture. We are a get out of work culture. Uh, You know, think about our obsession with sports and all things that come with pleasure. It's just, we are lovers of pleasure rather than, as the scripture says, lovers of God. And so Paul shows really that there is a preference to these attributes rather than God. In fact, I I would say he says that people place their love on these pleasures uh, in such a degree and in such a way um, that it is the, the primary reigning uh, location of their love rather than their creator. He's pointing out the rising intensity of our desire to self-direct and to self-love and to remove the very one who made us it's really, when you think about it, it's as evil as it gets. And um, and the very next verse is what just makes this so shocking. He says, they will hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. What a fascinating statement to read 19 attributes of evil, and then think that there's any possible way that those attributes can be viewed by anyone as holding to a form of godliness. Uh, but shockingly, we know that this is possible. You know, Paul is saying that while these people that are walking in these wicked ways, um, they will put on a facade of righteousness. And we see this again all over social media. People are promoting the most vile ideas and practices and laws and, and belief systems in the name of love and acceptance and kindness and inclusion, right? And they, they proclaim that their ways are somehow maybe authoritative. They, they do this with this passion as if they're backed by some sort of godly principle, but they're really mistaken and perverted. They've actually twisted what is good or what is bad and somehow made it appear to be good. And uh, this is actually not just outside of the church, but inside those who, you know, who call themselves Christian in the progressive church and in the prosperity church. um, They, they basically uh, take these principles, they pervert them And they deny the power of the gospel that permits us to mortify sin through Christ and obey God's law through the Spirit. And that's why he says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. What's the power of the gospel? Well, the power of the gospel is our ability to overcome sin through Christ and walk in righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see that people will hold to a form of godliness they're going to say oh i'm a spiritual person or oh i I'm you know oh yeah i'm i'm a christian we have to bring clarity to define those terms what does that mean that you're a christian are you a biblical historic evangelical christian that trusts that Jesus Christ is lord and that you're believing in him alone for salvation is that, is that what you are because there is many many people today who call the name of Christ, but are not born-again believers. The passage then closes succinctly with, avoid such men as these. Now, I think um, I want to talk about that, because is he saying, wow, everybody that's wicked, you need to avoid those people? Uh, no, that's not what he's saying, and I can say that for a fact, because uh, the intention of these specific words, avoid such men as these, uh, is the same statement or very close and same principle we see Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, uh, which is instructive, and I'm going to read it and bring some explanation, and then we will get ready to close out. He writes, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with immoral People of this world, or with the covetousness or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. Meaning, I'm not saying not to associate with immoral people. You'd have to go out of the world to get away from immoral people because everybody outside of Christ is immoral. He's saying, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother or someone that says, named a believer, maybe in your translation, or named a brother. If he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Paul says, I'm not the one that judges those that are outside of Christ. That's the Lord's job. But he uses an Old Testament passage. He says, do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges, remove the wicked men, the wicked man from among yourselves. So he's referring back to church discipline. And so uh, Paul is saying, hey, for those people that are wicked and walking in those wicked ways, we are to go out and preach the gospel to them, build relationships. We can have friendships, but not fellowship, but friendship in the sense that we can build a relationship with these people, but we can't have fellowship without having Christ in common. But we are to get out there and preach the gospel, you know, be a good neighbor to these individuals, you know, have discussions with these people. Um, And they're walking in all these wicked ways. We need to get out into the world and make those relationships to preach that gospel. We don't want to get pushed back into our own little bubble. Uh, But those people who are calling themselves believers, and are walking in that way need to be called out, dealt with regarding church discipline. You can see Matthew 18 for the steps and process of that. There's several great books on church discipline on that process, one by nine marks that you can look up on church discipline there because that person is perverting the reputation of Christ by calling himself a Christian and walking contrary to the directives of, of Christ. Um, and that is a, a different instance. And he says, avoid such men as these. Uh, now, what are we to do? How are we to have hope in this situation? How are we to look at the world as it's seemingly going down to the drain and stay joyful and hopeful and peaceful? A couple of verses later, and second Timothy chapter three, it's verses 13 through 15. Paul writes to Timothy, "But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the scriptures of the Old Testament which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So I'll close with this. The world will grow darker. It's going to continue to grow darker. The frequency of evil will increase. The darkness and vileness of the acts will get worse. The Lord may bring temporary reprieve for small and short seasons, the grand narrative follows an increase in evil. But you, as Paul says to Timothy, and I'm saying to you, must continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of. That is the wisdom of the gospel. And that is your hope of your salvation. You know, if you keep your eyes and your heart here, You're flooding your brain and your time with the scriptures, praying, worshiping in the spirit, surrounding yourselves with other believers for the edification of the saints, for the work of the ministry, your joy and your peace will sustain for he will hold you fast. So my hope for you is dive in deeper. The world is not gonna get easier. We need to be much more than our parents' generation, the previous generation, were in terms of trained. We need to be trained men and women of the Scriptures, so that we can communicate, so that we can have hope. This world is becoming hard to go outside. You need to put on the armor of God every morning if you're going to survive the fight that's out there. And so may God give you the strength to seek him every day and stay strong and bold and courageous, maintaining peace and joy in your walk with him. I hope this episode was helpful and edifying for your walk with Christ. Uh, Thank you for your faithfulness in listening to this episode. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider leaving a review? You don't need to write anything. You could just tap the stars, but if you do tap or if you do write something, I will read it. And they are very encouraging for those that have left those written reviews. Uh, On that note, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, My name is Dale Partridge. This is Real Christianity, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, if you have a theological question you would like answered on the show, submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.